it's that healthy organization. It's a place where you want to work. You want to show up. You want to do better. That doesn't exist everywhere. And a lot of people go to, go to an environment where it's toxic and it's not healthy and it's not transparent and there's not a level of respect both sides i've been part of an organization that doesn't doesn't isn't isn't quite healthy healthy from a people perspective and a culture perspective but also financially um, as, as well and i i saw early on what healthy is and what healthy isn't and what unhealthy can do to a person and it has a big impact on employees. And so to be part of a healthy organization and the ripple effect that that has on your family and your friends and just who you are, what you, the energy that you can bring to your day is, is, is night and day, really. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Today's guest is Molly Nolan. Molly is the Marketing and Program Manager for Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm. She joins Chris today to discuss her professional endeavors, how her early experiences shaped her idea of how a healthy organization should operate, and her development in a management position. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy the show. Thanks so much, Molly, for coming on and chatting today. I really appreciate you uh, carving out an hour in your day to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris. It uh, definitely feels odd to be on the opposite end of a, from a podcast perspective. I'm usually the host. I'm not usually the guest. It's fun. Yeah, no, I uh, I think that the um, the ability to ask questions is like there's a power, but it's like the with great power comes great responsibility because yes. you have to make sure that the uh, that you spent the time to think of meaningful questions and then also like uh, you know rabbit hole when necessary but not all the time or too much so but it's it's fun and i i listen to a lot in fact i'm trying to think i don't know if you guys have i probably have missed some early early episodes but i Mm -hmm. feel like i've listened to almost every episode that you guys have produced in the last six to 12 months um but i really have enjoyed the the out of the hourglass podcast so i think you guys are doing a good job with that Thanks. It's been uh, fun from our perspective as well. We we started just a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and uh, it's kind of just taken a really nice direction. And we appreciate you know feedback from folks like yourself because it helps us kind of think about what we want to do and what we want to put out there and the guests we want to bring on. Like we're looking to do more member stories and get more members involved. Uh, so it's it's good. It's it's definitely for me, it's been a little bit of a wild ride. I never expected um, that I would be hosting a podcast or sharing the hosting responsibilities on a podcast. So it's good. I'm, I have a couple questions on the podcast in particular, but I'm, yeah. I'm wondering when or like if you could tell me the story of the origin story of the podcast, because uh, well, I have more to say on that, but I'm curious, was this, whose idea was it? Was there res- like resistance? What were you guys concerned about? Just kind of all that. How did it come to be? Sure. So way back in the day, we used to do a thing called Fridays with Summit. And it was a 3 p.m. East Coast time call that we would do at pretty much every Friday afternoon run by one or two of the coaches. And it was in the days where you had to dial in and listen. Like we put out a phone line and clients would 
call in and listen and we'd mute them and then they could ask questions and we recorded them they were great you know when we saved all the all those conversations but we had like a live audience and there's a lot of tech technical issues that can go on with that um but it was good but, but what we realized over time was you couldn't always capture the audience that you wanted live every Friday afternoon. Um, and so over time, there was a shift towards doing kind of recorded conversations. And um, I actually left Nolan Consulting Group for a period of time and worked for another organization. Um, but when I came back, we had been doing podcasts, but they were private podcasts just for members. And it was on a program called Podbean. And part of my role in coming back was to begin working on the brand and doing some marketing for NCG. And my one of my first thoughts was, this podcast has to be public. We can't, like, we. what are we doing trying to hide some of the goods that we have here? Uh, and there are definitely, I think there was some pushback originally, which is why the private direction happened. Um, but over time, you know, sometimes we just got to beat Brian or Andrew or team down a little bit and show them the way why it's important that other that other companies are doing this. And over time, we got the buy in and talked about what we wanted the name to be. We got a new logo for it, the direction. And then we just kind of started. So it, it but it was a shift. It was a shift of who do we want to be? Are we OK with kind of loosening or opening up the vest of who we are and what we coach on? because i think for so long we kind of felt like we had to you know you had to become a member to know what was going on but there we have so many great things to share and it's part of our marketing now it's it's our brand and we want people to know who we are before they feel like they need to like before they get comfortable with us and then there's the buy-in yeah no i think that so my uh there's this uh marketer um and an internet uh, celebrity, I guess you could call him Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if you and I have talked about him before, but no, I don't think so. He goes by Gary V. And so I probably first came across Gary V. It was at a conference when I was running my old uh, marketing business. And um, he's all about just literally give away everything. There is no mm -hmm. secrets. Uh, if you think you have a secret and you don't share that, it's a matter of time before someone else in the world shares the exact same thing that you knew all along and now they've right. taken credit for it. So it's very, at least in my experience, I have had a number of conversations prior to coming to Webfoot with talking to businesses of just like, why are you not documenting and giving away this, like these conversations that you're having with your team and like with coworkers and clients, like, just share it, just put it out there and record stuff and, and give it away to people. And I think there's this confusion, especially if it's if you're like a consultant and it's like getting very specific for you guys. People pay us to explain SL2 leadership, right? That's right. what they pay. They're telling they like I, I get paid, you know, however much money to go in and teach people this. Why would I just tell people exactly what I tell them in the meeting on a podcast and just give it away to anybody. Like, aren't we right. gonna, isn't that gonna hurt our business? Or why would someone pay me if they can just go listen to that? And it's like, yeah, yeah, great. It's a concern. Yeah, great point, except you're, it's, that's just knowledge, right? There's the context. And that's the other thing that Gary Vee always talks about is 
knowing something is part of the game, but most of the game is the context of applying the knowledge. So you can read a book, right? And be like, oh, I know I know how to run a business now because I just read three business books. And it's like, yep. okay, <laughs> go yep. ahead. Good luck. No, like maybe you can, I don't know, it's up to you, but it's not the, just the knowledge. The SL2 is a great example. I mean, we're actually in the middle of hosting an SL2 workshop right now with some members, members of their team. And while we have an SL2 series podcast out there, Colin and Colin Nolan and I um, have like five, about five episodes kind of breaking it down. There is a difference between listening to that podcast. That's great reinforcement or great intro knowledge. But on the workshop, we're actually going through case studies and we're talking about each person on you know who's a who's who's a part of the workshop and things in their own life and applying it that way there's definitely a difference versus just the listening versus the application yeah totally but yeah no i i when i uh i don't i again i was alerted to the fact that you guys were doing it probably i don't know when you officially started this how many years ago it would have been but i when i started when i came across it the first time it was i think it was specifically for um sl2 or smart goals or something and I was mm -hmm. so stoked. I was like, yes, like this is, ex I, and I, cause I could see the trajectory that you guys were going because now what it's allowed me to do is take those episodes. And if I'm managing someone, I can just be like, oh, here's some episodes, you know, listen to them when you're running or when you're driving to work or whatever, like the flexibility of using something like that to yep. get the, at least to like talk about the thing the same way, use the same vocabulary and stuff. So exactly. that's that's where I feel like it's uh, and then even after that, and then we have in our case, Catherine came on. We were talking about um, disk profiles and stuff like that. And there are certain things that it's the application of the knowledge to the unique circumstances with the people because everybody's unique. That is en enhanced because now rather than having to call you or someone at Nolan to say, can you explain SL2 to Taylor? Uh, Taylor can just listen to that whenever she has time and then we'll come mm -hmm. to you when we have a real more complex thing, you know? Yeah, no, I love that. I love that application of it. Um, I'm happy to hear that they're being shared in that, in that way. That's awesome. So, um, your current, you said, um, your current title is marketing and program manager for Nolan Consulting. Um, yes. because I'm also in marketing, I want to, before we dive into like your role at, at Nolan, I always love uh, finding out, and this is more of just a fun off-topic question, what is, what's the first brand that you remember being connected to uh, growing up? If you're like the one that's most memorable to you. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, that question is hard for me to think about. I mean, there's a lot of brands in which at different times in my life, I think I've associated to, um, but a brand that it kind of hit me in more of my later life. Um, so like in the last few years, um, the brand Allbirds, I was working for a, um, a startup company in Philadelphia uh, several years ago, and Allbirds was just kind of in its beginning stages of getting kind of becoming public and my boss ordered them and just the way that they showed up like there was intentionality in every part of um their from you know their, their process from the website and how you were communicated to you know the customer experience all the way to how you received the box and the packaging and how it opened and then the shoes themselves, I mean, and they were very focused at that time on the type of shoe. I'm actually, 
I didn't even plan this. I'm wearing like one of their original Allmark shoes, like the gray ones. Um, and over time, they've since added additional, you know, new lines and uh, new styles. But at the very beginning, it was they had one shoe, you know, for both men and women. But it was one design, only a couple different colors, and that's what they focused on. And it, just the intentionality behind everything and how they've, they've recently grown so much. Um, but I think that's that's why, because they started off really, really smart. Mm. So how does that, or has that experience affected how you are marketing? And because you mentioned also that you kind of were brought in to focus on the brand and how Nolan is perceived to, I mean, yeah. obviously to members, but non-members, I assume. It's funny, before uh, I came back to NCG to focus, you know, marketing being one of my responsibilities, we didn't really have a focus on marketing. Uh, you know, our, our business has grown, and we've been very fortunate to this, but our business has grown a lot through referrals over the years. Um, just from the relationships that we've established with our clients and that word spreading. And, and of course, us getting involved in things within the industry, but we've never, you know, we've spent money on websites and we've done things here and there, but there's been no real, like there was no true focus on what the brand was. Uh, we've had gone through several name changes. I mean, some folks remember us as Summit Services or Nolan Summit Services. And then now we're Nolan Consulting Group and we've been that for several years. But we've really thought about who we are and the programs that we offer within. But we are Nolan Consulting Group. And the Summit Group is a flagship program of Nolan Consulting Group. And so the focus for us now is being intentional about who we are as a brand and what do we want to get involved with, what what vendor partnerships are, are important to us, um, uh, protecting the culture and the brand of our summit member group and we you know establishing summit member values and what that means and just kind of coming back to why ncg was started in the first place and we've taken different course of you know service offerings over year over the years some have worked some haven't but it's about it's okay to, to kind of go off course a little bit um and to try new things but then there's also power and kind of coming back to the why, you know, why we're here in the first place. So kind of all going back to the marketing side of it, it's, again, it's about the brand, the people, the podcast, um, just being intentional about the things that we put out there um, to the public. And why was uh, NCG started? What Was so there NCG like an original like mission statement that was that Brian wrote back when he started it? Or has that evolved or... It definitely has evolved. I actually would be curious to look, kind of look back at what maybe what his an, original mission statement was you know, when he was writing his maybe his own business plan. I know he's, he was recently on with you, but for him, you know, when he started the business in 2004, he the painting industry was new to him. Um, I mean, new to him in the sense where he didn't own a painting business, but he had been a business person for many, many years and had run organizations and managed a lot of people. So he had that business expertise um, and he saw a kind of an opportunity that there's so many fantastic tradespeople and craftsmen in the world and entrepreneurs in, the, um, in their own right who just don't have that uh, didn't have the kind of the basic understanding of business and the ability to grow. And so that, kind of going back to it all, we, he created it so that he can help 
businesses build high-performing teams, know their numbers, build a build a, a value lifestyle where the business isn't all about just them; it's about the others that are involved. That's awesome. I think that the um, one thing I'm curious about that I think is so Nolan. How many how many people are in Nolan Consulting total employees? Employees. So we have about twelve full time employees, but then we also have a team of satellite coaches as well, um, and some folks who are Nolan Painting who do consulting with us, um, like Connor Mulroney and Jim Fox. So the, the larger team itself is actually around um, twenty plus. Okay. So then the next question was: If you said twelve people, how many are not related to Brian in some <laughs> way? Uh, a majority. Um, you know, so in the business, you have myself, um, Brian, of course, uh, Kevin, Kevin Nolan is um, a partner of Nolan Consulting Group. He's also the CEO of Nolan Painting. Um, but then you have Colin Nolan. He is my brother. He is a business coach and has been a coach for, gosh, going on seven plus years now, I think. Um, so there's, I know that people think there's a lot of us. Oh, so there's only four. There's only four. Now okay. there are Nolan's on the Nolan painting side who are involved, um, but not directly Nolan consulting group. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and I, I, I didn't was I, where I was going with this was I don't not if there if you would have said eight out of twelve or whatever it's like okay the point is that there's obviously it's a family business it is. there's um, pros and cons of of that um, and I would say I my opinion is that it's probably more pros from an personal family like just the opportunity to get to work and spend time and like solve cool problems with people that you actually like and want to be around you know with your family um yeah but what what i'm one thing i'm curious about that just just hit me was if he would have if brian started this in 2004 you would have been um what's i'm in in the house still right Uh, like high school um Do you remember like your dad leaving the business world and then being like, you know, you're you're kind of like sort of not super aware of like the inner workings or maybe even like what's going on inside Brian's heart of like career changes or whatever. Tell me, I'm just wondering if you could fill that in because I feel like that's fascinating that now you're the marketing director for this thing that your dad started when you were, you know, not just a little girl, but a young woman, you know? It's funny how things come full circle a little bit. Um, yo, yeah. So we, uh, I mean, my we moved a lot as ki- as kids growing up. Um, with my my dad, just would within same same organizations, he would be kind of moving around a little bit. And we had at this point in our lives, we had we were living in Maine, and I think I was probably if it was two thousand four when he started, it was probably around two thousand two. 2003 when this was all going on um so i was 12 12 to 13 years old and i remember it distinctly because we hadn't been in maine for very long maybe about a year a year and a half and all of a sudden this opportunity happened for him and i've since learned the story of it as i've gotten older which has been really fascinating to me how he saw an opportunity and kind of put out you know uh a contract for himself and he 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 saw the thing coming and he walked away with a really great um sum of money that allowed him to start a business and then for for a year 
he sat working every day in the home office in the basement. And I remember would come I'd come home from school and he'd tell me the next idea that he had. But he he was dreaming up or creating what his business was going to be. And there were a couple franchise opportunities that he was going after. Some he came really close to. Um, I don't distinctly remember like the when the the NCG happened, um, but I just I do remember. Well, then it was, we're moving to Pennsylvania and then my life changed again. Um, but it was more of, he just, it was fun to see him in that creative process. Um, he had the opportunity to do that and financially and not, and not feel stressed about the, the decision. He just, it, it was his time to dream mm. and then to make it happen. And he did. And then and not everyone has that opportunity. So he, he's very, very lucky. Yeah, totally. And then. When did you, uh, and the other thing I'm curious about is your journey, I assume, was probably started at like, you know, you're getting to the end of high school. This is taking off, you know, who knows how long it's going to go or how, where it's going to go. But you're, I'm assuming, looked at college. But at what point were you like, I feel I could actually work there? Or was it you that brought it up or did he introduce that concept or how did that go? This is also funny. I um, funny now. I think in the, in the moment I was pretty stressed about it. Um, so I went to the University of Pittsburgh for college. I was a political science major, global studies focus. Uh, for years, I thought I was going to go to law school. That was my dream. My grandfather was a lawyer. My dad's twin brother's a lawyer. I have cousins who are now lawyers. A lawyer was in the family. And I just thought that's what I was going to be. Um, but then I got to my June, like late junior year, early senior year of college, and I had taken some law or legal classes, and it just wasn't doing it for me the way that I thought it was going to. It was going to, and I and I was like, oh no, I have spent all of my life focused on this plan, and now I don't think the plan is going to be what I want it to be anymore. Um, and you know, poli sci major, it's really hard to not go into continuing education after that. You don't, you know, looking back, I wish I would have done business as a major, gotten some more, you know, hard skills, but you know, it is, it is what it is at this point. So probably in a moment of panic where I had always had, you know, things kind of planned out ahead of me. I was a little bit of a type A personality that way in, you know, in school. Uh, my dad and I had a conversation and he was like, well, why don't you come start do, do some work for NOLA Consulting Group and see, you know, give it a year, see what you like, you know, learn some business skills, and then you can begin applying for things that are up of interest. And I was like, all right, you know, this is what I'll do. It's my first year out of college. I'll make some money. I'll learn some things. I'll get established. Um, and then come four years later, I was still there. And I was doing well. I had learned a lot. I was running programs. Um, I think at the time I had the, the title of member services coordinator and it was great, uh, but I had this. And so I never expected to be there for as long as I was. I never expected to be part of the family business. It was never in my plans in high school or in college. And it just kind of life happened. And that's where I was. And then I got to a point where I was there for four years and in my mid-20s and beginning to have this like panic that I was stuck and I all I ever knew was going to know was working for a small family business that um, 
I think maybe I had some head trash around it a little bit. Like I never had never applied for a real job that I had just in my head. I was like, people probably think that this job was just handed to me and I had it easy and this and that. And there's head trash. And I think as a part of being in a family business, I mean, I have the privilege of being, of being having this opportunity. So I had that hard talk with my dad, who was also my boss at the time, like where the Brian to dad, you know, line falls can be tricky sometimes. And we, um, he had me work with a family business coach, Jared Bias, who we now work with pretty, pretty heavily, both personally for our family business, but who also coaches other family businesses within Summit and um, just other organizations. And I had some one-on-one -on -one conversations with him. And, and now I look back and I call it a therapy session. <laughs> but at the time it was coaching. Um, but it just, we talked about, we did, you know, what, what I wanted my life to look like and what I wanted in, a, in an organization, what I wanted my roles to be, what my strengths were. Essentially an IDP, looking mm -hmm. back, it, it was certainly that. And we walked through it, but it was a really eye-opening experience for me. I mean, I grew you know, I looked at my circle of connections and I began applying for jobs because I knew that I needed to try something different. I needed to see what else was out there and just test my skills and get out of my comfort zone a little bit. And I landed at a, uh, a startup in Philadelphia um, now called Perpay. It is a um, financial technology company, FinTech, they do basically an alternative lending platform um, for individuals who need alternative forms of credit and um, give them buying power. And uh, I was there for, gosh. What was your title or, or responsibilities there? So my title there grew over time. I started off just in operations. Um, it was kind of an all hands on deck. Um, so I handled a lot of customer service situations, uh, pretty much everything and anything that we did that that we were doing uh, it was basically a small we were we were a tiny team i was i was i think the fourth or fifth person hired on that team um and so we had some tech guys we had the boss and we had some operations people and we were figuring it out and they've done very very well since um over time i grew into merchandising so i focused on kind of the storefront and our offerings and working with different vendors. Um, so I would go to trade shows and get different buyers, different buying opportunities um, to put on our storefront. So mm. it was fun. I, I learned something very different, um, a whole different world. I definitely learned some you know, skills um, technically that I didn't have before or saw the way that a small business startup operated. They are now, um, they've grown exponentially. We were actually, Gosh, I hope I get this right. In 2018, we were number five in Inc.'s um, uh, fastest top growing, growing fastest growing companies. Yeah, and that was a really fun uh, recognition for us. We had a big celebration about that. But with the joys of a of a startup, there's also it's a rough world. Stressful. <laughs> Very stressful. Yeah. I learned a lot in that environment. Um, and eventually learned that it wasn't for me. And that after a lot of exploration, um, being there for three and a half years, I decided that I was, I didn't want to be there anymore. <laughs> and then you just, uh, jumped back into this was what year would you have come back to Nolan? So I came back in 2019. Hmm. 
And um, I actually, I, I had this moment um, in June, maybe early June of 2019. I, to, to be fair, I had I had always been back and forth about my about working there. I didn't necessarily. I made a lot of great connections, a lot of great friends. I didn't necessarily. I, I wasn't connected at, at the end of the day to the mission of the of the organization and just what my role was going to be in the future. I just didn't see a career path for me there. Mm. Um, so. And I and I was I was just unhappy. I was not happy in my in my role anymore. And it was one of those things where I was I was physically dreading going into work on a Monday morning. Mm. And you know when the, when there is that feeling of anxiety where it's like physical, it's a you it's it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. And um, I had this moment. We were up back up in New England for um, a family wedding in June of 2019, and I was out biking with my aunt and my cousin, and we stumbled across this. Um, coffee shop in Wells, Maine, and I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but everything about it, it was just on the side of the road. The ocean was in the distance. It was a little family kind of farm coffee shop, and the owners were young, and we met them, and they told us the story, uh, and, you know, they just, you could just tell they were so happy and content in their, in their life and their, what they were doing. I was like, well, I should be able to feel that way. I should be able to feel happy and content about the work that I'm doing. Why am I making myself miserable going to this job that I don't like? Um, and it was actually from that moment on that I began having conversations of, I think I need to look for something different. I had actually applied for some other positions and had done some interviewing um, at some other organizations. Uh, but at the same time, NCG was looking to fill this position. And so it just weirdly time mm. al aligned in a very strange way for me. And then you came Again. on in late. So this like August 2019 or I joined. Um, so I gave my notice mm. um, in July of 2019. And I worked with them and I stayed until and until November, October 30th. So I started basically November 1st with NCG. So mm. I gave per pay plenty of time. Um, I, it was nice. I was lucky that I could do that with Nolan Consultory Group. I actually began doing some projects for them on the side just so that we could get some things started, like planning of a grand summit and things that needed to happen. Uh, but that was kind of the, the deal we made. I'll start doing the work but I won't officially start until November, November 1, 2019. So about, we're, we're pretty close to my two year anniversary of being back. That's awesome. Exciting. That's, yeah. I didn't realize the, uh, there's obviously my own, I had a different path, path, not family business related, but I went on this entrepreneurial, I got an engineering degree and, uh, then like I loved I'm very engineering minded still but I started in the engineering world I lasted six months out of college and similar like Natalie my wife was um in physical therapy school she was like taking my vitals and stuff to practice <laughs> and like in the course of six months I like developed pre-hypertension and uh I was just she I was like you know 24 years old or something and just like so stressed to go into work um, yep. And so I started this marketing company that at the time it was not a marketing company. It was Chris had a drone and I liked technology and I wanted to sell <laughs> aerial photos. So yeah. I called it a business and then it, whatever. But I started at Webfoot in August. Uh, it's actually like July 30th of 2019 was my first day. I didn't Oh, realize, so we're on a similar path. Cool. Yeah, we're, I just had two year anniversary, uh, whatever that was, two months ago or something. Um, Congratulations. When I, when I first crossed paths with you, I assumed that you'd been at Nolan for 
years, you know, the, and I think that was back in when we were over on the East coast in, uh, yeah. March or something. Like I mean, that. I feel things when I, when I came back, uh, it's been nice. A lot of the same clients are still here. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are some new, new folks. Um, a lot of, a lot of the systems were the same, but but also different at the same time. Um, so I felt like I was both coming in and learning a new company again, but I also had a basis of, of knowledge, mm-hmm. which which was really nice. And it kind of probably gave me a little bit more of a springboard to get things started quicker than if I was brand new to the business, yeah. which was nice. That's awesome. The other thing, so this is, it's just fascinating because now I feel like, I don't know, I mean, one way you could look at it would be revenue, but the clients, customers, however you slice it, it seems like, Nolan, like most businesses, has had like a pretty steady, slow, just mm-hmm. moving, moving, moving. And it, from the outside, it seems like it's starting to like the the exponential curve is starting to go up a little bit more than maybe past. Or is it stayed? Has it been pretty consistent in even in the last two years? Uh, I definitely think with COVID, it, it slowed you know, things down. Yeah, slowed things down a little bit. Um, if COVID hadn't happened, I think there would have been a little bit more of that exponential growth. What um, we definitely have seen a good pickup. We we didn't lose a lot of. We lost a handful of clients during COVID, understandably so. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we were fortunate to kind of really keep keep steady. Um, but it goes back to the brand and kind of what our intentions are. We, at the end of the day, don't want to grow exponentially. Mm-hmm. That is not our our purpose. Um, so I'm not, the marketing work that I'm doing is not focused on bringing in new yeah. leads every week. It's, I mean- Do a better uh, job with what leads. you have, yeah. Yeah, we want to, we want to work closer with the clients that we do have. We want to be working with more people, um, and we we are, but just in like in a in a very steady, in a steady way. Yeah. Um, we also want to kind of protect the culture of the group that has been established as well. Totally. Because I was gonna have you. I don't know if you guys think about this often. Um, the impact that Nolan Consulting is having on the world. Do you guys do you, have you ever thought about this? Like, do you know where you work and what that's doing? Um, it's nice to be reminded. I think it's important to be reminded of, of what you do impacts a lot of people. I mean, not just the, it's not just the business owners that we work with. It's all of the employees on each of the organizations that we work with and then their families that are attached to that. So you're right. There's, it's more, it's, I think it's, it's bigger than we, than we believe it to be sometimes. Yeah. Cause what I will say is that the number of people it's, I, this is this is maybe this is valuable to you. I don't know, but from my perspective, like I was in marketing and I randomly got connected with Webfoot Painting. Uh, met Gavin. I actually had applied for a sales job. Like my whole the whole journey of me actually becoming the marketing manager at Webfoot is is another. It's just humorous how everything pla- panned out. But <laughs> yeah. uh, since being there, like I remember when I first accepted the job. Even when I I like I actually had accepted a job as a painting estimator first, and then I like had a like a change of heart and was like backed mm-hmm. out of the job. And luckily, Gavin like didn't just shut me out for good. And then like <laughs> six to nine months later, I came back and we I started talking to him again, and this marketing thing popped up. But um, in the process, I remember thinking on this was at the sales in the sales stage i was like i mean it's a painting company like 
what I don't even like I don't know if I'm gonna work at a painting company for the rest of my life but like mm-hmm. it's what do they do like how complex could this be you know it's right. like it seemed like a very easy basic just like not important honestly it just was like I mean that's cool this could work for a while you know and I think yeah. I can make an impact so I was excited about it and um but then I got into it and very quickly I was like started looking at all the systems and the processes and the career ladder and the software that they were using and everything. And I was like, wow, this is like, there's a lot going on here. And then I started learning. Well, first of all, it was just like a fun environment. Like people were friendly and people, there was no, um, people like there was investment in the people that was like kind of just happening. Right. And so, as I started like learning more and kind of asking more questions, Nolan Consulting like had the name popped up, and I was like, "Oh, interesting! Like, what, like there something was mentioned that Nolan did this, or this is a process from Nolan, or whatever." And then there was more and more things that have that I was presented with, and then, and then I like one day, I think it was Steve Talkington was out at our office, the coach for Gavin and Travis. And uh, they were like, yeah, if he asks questions about marketing, just like, you know, tell him everything that you're doing or whatever. And I was kind of like, who's this Steve guy? Like, he's just coming in <laughs> yeah. here, you know? And then I start understanding as I've learned more how, from my perspective, the va- the benefit, like, if you, especially if you talk to Gavin and Travis, Gavin has told me that, no, like, Webfoot was doing well. They were okay. But it was like, if you look at, like, a, timeline of the revenue for webfoot it was like at the year that they started working with nolan everything changed it was just like with, shortly after that they the trajectory of the business was completely different yeah. and i think it's because of the systems and the processes that you guys teach but outside of that so it's like yeah you you helped gavin and travis grow a business it's like because of that now I, which, uh, you know, there's probably not very many painting companies, maybe a handful of other ones that are also part of Summit that I would have been remotely interested in working for. I'm like super passionate and excited about it now. And then I find myself telling Natalie, my wife, and referencing Nolan that like she's in physical therapy. So she's working for a physical therapist. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is what we do. This is an IDP. You need to like talk to your boss about. So it's like, I don't know, yeah. in, a, in a way it's like, and I I could just be really weird and no one else does this, but I don't think that's the case. And I feel like there are the processes and the impact that you guys have on the business is what you guys are most aware of. But what you're not aware of, I think, is the like the the ripples that, a healthy organization and what that does to the people that work there and what that does to their Mm -hmm. spouses of the people that work there and the family and the kids and everybody that's like benefiting from a healthy organization. That's the part that I'm like, it's crazy. Like it's, uh, it's actually like insane. And when I've, uh, I talked to Brian when he came out to the quarterly planning, it's like, what what in Nolan Consulting has had, and I mean, if you think about how many clients you have and the businesses and how they've grown and changed, and then it didn't just like go down to how many people at that business now interact with their friends or family differently uh, because of that. It's I I honestly am like I'm so so grateful that Gavin and Travis found Nolan Consulting when they did because it was way before I got there. And now I feel like I'm just benefiting from the processes and the health of the organization that was heavily influenced by Nolan, if that makes sense. 
No, it absolutely does. And we're happy that Gavin and Travis um, found us, came and started working with us. I don't, they've been over 10 years. I don't know the date specifically. Um, we think that they're rock stars, that they're awesome, that just the entrepreneurs that they are and the passion and the fun that they bring. Um, but kind of going back to that, it's that healthy organization. It's a place where you want to work. You want to show up. You want to do better. Um, that doesn't exist everywhere. And a lot of people go to go to an environment where it's toxic mm -hmm. and it's not healthy and it's not transparent and there's not a level of respect. Um, and I have seen both sides. I've been part of an organization that doesn't doesn't isn't isn't quite healthy. And I was like, in, I was shocked by how things sometimes were running. I was like, this is not right. Like, I've seen what a healthy organization should be. And I'm a part of something that's not. And mm. I like, I, but I had the privilege of, of seeing um, what healthy should be mm. or, or what are the, what are the systems and the processes and the thinking behind what healthy should be. Because that kind of goes back to, you know, building high performance teams is all a part. And so both, you know, healthy from a people perspective and a culture perspective, but also financially um, as, as well. And I, I saw early on what healthy is and what healthy isn't and what healthy can and what unhealthy can do to a person. And it has a big impact on employees. And so to be part of a healthy organization and the ripple effect that that has on your family and your friends and just who you are, and what you, the energy that you can bring to your day is 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 night and day, really. Mm, totally. No, I'm, I I honestly feel like, yeah, I would I would tell everybody or just remind people that the yes, you're helping the business owners, but it's just like the and the people that I'm managing that I feel like I'm able to manage 10 times more effective effectively because of the tools, right? It's like you're, mm -hmm. you, you have to have the right tools and you need to know how to use the tools. And uh, yeah, I just think I'm very grateful for Brian for taking that step, but then also you and the marketing and the, and it's like the podcast, there's so many little things. Like, what is it exactly? It's like, well, yeah. it's like a thousand things. But yeah. it's yeah, it's it's all the it's all part of the same thing, which I think is really awesome. So good work. Thank you. We appreciate that very much. Um so a couple other things I um am curious about. I I read the um for those of for listeners that aren't familiar with this, one of the things that you referenced was an IDP, individual development plan, another mm -hmm. Nolan uh staple. Um <laughs> And one of the pieces of that is primary aim. So prior to this call, you and I exchanged this primary aim that we wrote out of what our year, what our life looks like three to five years in the future. One mm -hmm. of the things that stuck out to me that I wanted to ask you about was you mentioned um, working on the ceilings that you've had or like breaking mm -hmm. through the ceilings. Um, what are those uh, ceilings that you have created in your career and where do you think those came from? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I, I appreciate as well the the push to to write the primary aim. I, I you know I said to you, coming off of a, a call with or a podcast with Kevin Nolan, who that that challenge kind of initiated. Then you put you you really drove it home to get it done. It it was um, 
for some reason I've been procrastinating on it because it felt scary to me. It felt scary to try to define my life in five years and what that looked like and where I was. Um, but once I like forced myself actually yesterday afternoon to sit down and do it, once I got that first paragraph, I was like in it. And it was like, I was, I just, I created my day of what it was, where I was October 2nd of 2026. And it was like, this is a beautiful day. And I can, I hope to live it one day. Um, but the ceilings aspect for me is, it, and it probably goes back to this head trash. And it's a term that we use here within maybe the Nolan family or NCG, but it's just like those thoughts in your head that, um, that just speak to you and they're negative and they shouldn't be there. And, but they are really powerful. Um, you know, the head trash going back to working in a family business and being when I first came out of college and being a 22, 23 year old girl who, uh, didn't have, uh, you know, prior business experience um, and never owned a business, never worked in the trades, was working with business owners and in some cases teaching them how to do things and and telling them how to do things. And I was like, uh, am I qualified? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I, I was teaching them things that um, I had learned and I was basically like the messenger and teach, but like there's, there's a weird thought there, you know, if I am um, teaching a new system or explaining why something is important to a business owner in their forties who has been around the block, like that level, it was never like I never get, got respect. It just was, it was a really weird. Um, imposter just, syndrome. Very much imposter syndrome. Um, coming back here to NCG and kind of having left and, and, and been around another environment, I definitely came back with more confidence. I, I had other relationships and I, I had done more things. Um, but I still feel like there's sometimes an imposter syndrome in the sense where I still haven't owned a business um, and or do I fully understand the contracting world and the same, you know, do I understand the painting business? Do I understand the roofing business and the day-to-day -day and learning how to pick up on um, the operations of it all? There's just a, you know, can, what can I bring? And I'm not, I'm not a coach. Uh, my role here is more the, like I said, the marketing, the program side, probably going into more operational um, at the end of the day, but what can I bring to Nolan Consulting Group that has impact, that brings value, that uh, is not from a coaching perspective. Mm. And sometimes, you know, there's, I, that's a ceiling on myself. Like, you know, I can only do so much to like really bring impact here. But when I that's take the off voice, the ceiling- You're saying that's the voice is, you can only do so in much. In my head. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Instead of like uh, the looking at it from the sky's the limit, I'm going to keep learning. I'll keep finding ways to bring value. You're saying that you're naturally just like, who am I? I have no experience. I don't know. Is that, that's kind of that, the negative voice? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I've gotten better at squashing that over time. Um, you know, the affirmations, Brian speaks to those a lot that, you know, taking those things in your head and you know, squashing them. And it's only, it's only words. It's you're, you're, you need to be the boss of your own mind. Um, and so now I, with writing of that primary aim, I like made myself look in like, look larger, like what, what, and kind of going back to what do we want here? What does the future look like for us? And how can I bring us there? 
um, especially working and creating more relationships within the industry. There's so much power in that and for us to be aligning opportunities for our clients. So when I hear with what you're describing, I think obviously, first of all, it's a very common thing. I have anyone, if you if they're honest, I think will admit to having doubts, fears, uh, insecurities about their role. To me, I would say it all comes back to, you know, like the power of your mind and your mindset. Um, I don't know if you agree if that's the if that's the core thing. It's like change your change your mind or your the way you think about yourself and your future is going to change. Um, do you agree that that's is it just like the what you have and the the work in front of you is focusing on the what you're allowing to get into your head, right? Both in like knowledge, but also the voices that you're telling yourself or that others are telling you. Uh, And my question would be, if you agree that that is probably an important thing to do, what do you do on a daily basis or what do you plan on doing or start doing? Like, how do you make sure that those ceilings that you're talking about or those voices or the insecurities decrease Um, because I think maybe there's an appropriate amount that it's good to have some doubts. Uh, So you're not just clueless, but I think everyone would agree that we probably could silence them quite a bit to the optimal level to do, to have the success that we are capable of, you know? Well, um, Adam Grant's recent book, Think Again, which we had just read as part of our book club, uh, spoke to me quite a bit because it talked about um, this imposter syndrome is actually not a bad thing because it it gives you um, it encourages you to learn more it pushes you to be open to feeling um, to not be comfortable and to challenge yourself to uh, to get out there and kind of almost bring more knowledge to you you the more it's almost like the fake it till you make it type per type uh, aspect and so it's okay to feel a little bit like an imposter because it's challenging challenging you to um to do more and be more um but no so kind of back to your question honestly uh the first thing i would say if is write your primary aim because it was actually really i i had it was really impactful for me yesterday to write that uh just to kind of create this story of where i'm going to be and what i'm doing and the path that i'm on because now i actually can see it and I was having a really hard time putting my finger on it for a little while of what of what life looked like and what I was doing and how I was living my life um, and what my role was at NCG, you know, thinking bigger than it currently is. And so it's writing the primary aim and then it's sharing it with others. Um, Which like is Brian. scary, right? A little bit. Also, and Chris, you were the first one of anybody to read <laughs> it, which was also really interesting. Um, but then I, you know, I shared it. Um, with Brian, I know I shared it um, with Justin, and uh, I'll share it with Catherine, who uh, is my who I, d- I directly report to, and she and I are doing my IDP together, and it's really important for her to see because it is now going to give her an, an idea of where I want to go, and then I can kind of build my own big rocks to start focusing on those items to get me there. Mm. And then, so I I love all of that. Another going deeper into that is like. But how do you, what do you do for your mind? Like the, is there, is it, uh, is it as simple as just like 
reading books and pounding your head with, I mean, affirmations, maybe that's an interesting thing. Um, is there any other things that you've thought about or like, I don't have you heard the, or heard of the book, uh, mindset by Carol Dweck. Have you heard of that one? I've heard of it. I've not read it. There's a, this idea of like either you're either fixed or growth. It's one or the other in any area of your okay. life. You could be, you could be different, different in different areas, but in like your career, you either are like fixed mindset. Like this is what I am. This is all I'm capable of or your growth mindset. That's like the only thing between me and where I want to get is just knowledge and experience and failures and I'm capable. I'm a growth oriented person. So it's like that type of stuff. I, and I guess what I'm wondering is like, what are the habits that you need to incorporate and you in the third person? Cause I'm thinking about this for myself too, <laughs> mm -hmm. to make sure that my mind is not the limiting factor. Cause I might not have the opportunities presented to me, which is harder to like orchestrate. Right. But yeah. the mind is like, you have to have your mind dialed and just like, uh, so you're ready to pounce on the opportunity with confidence and the right amount of doubt, just to, just to sprinkle <laughs> so that yeah, you can yeah. do that. You know what I mean? No, I mean, I think it kind of goes back to the whole person and what are you doing, um, you know, outside of your work life that is bringing you energy and passions and giving you mental clarity or emotional clarity. Um, I mean, that at least for me, I... I I, can I be challenged myself in other ways outside of work that will ultimately have good impacts on me at work? Like the getting up and going for a run in the morning always makes my day better because I have way more energy in my day and have a more pep in my step in my day if I worked out in the morning than if I have slept in or and or I have a workout hanging over my head in, after work. And those days happen, like they, they always do. Um, but I can see the difference in who I am, whether I've done it in the morning versus I've done it, do it later or I don't do it at all. Mm. Um, or, so, or challenging myself to take on um, a project or a marathon. I mean, those things are, 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 are difficult but they test you in the best way. Mm. Uh, there's a reason, you know, there, there's a reason why people sign up after their first marathon for another. We black out what the last six miles feels like. And all we f think about is the the joy of finishing and what the high that that brings to you. And then you sign up for your next one. <laughs> um, That's right. <laughs> that's what happens. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, and, you know, I actually had an affirmation um, that I created when I was doing my first marathon training that says, and I had roar on my wrist, um, it says, I can and I will. And because there's a lot of times where, you know, that self-doubt creeps in and it's, no, you can and you will do this. It's just, it's going to be painful or it's going to be uncomfortable, but there is a finish line mm. and you will get there. And it's, it's those experiences that help me at work because it's, you know, this is going to be hard. This is going to be an uncomfortable discussion, but you will be better for it. It will impact your life in a bigger way. The first time I had to let someone go was really hard, but I had to, and I, it's not something I wish everyone has to do, but I needed to be able to do that because it, it bettered me as a manager. It bettered me as um, a business person because I learned both the the emotional side of it and like the truth, like just the, the reality of it all. And it taught me a lesson. 
So it's pushing yourself to do things in, in uncomfortable ways um, where growth comes. That's awesome. I I, uh, I like the challenge outside. Uh, I don't like I went for the last um, several uh, Lenten seasons. One of the things mm -hmm. I do is cold showers just because it's like Ooh. so stupid, you know, it's brutal, not, but it's just like it sucks. And it, it always or my the way I would describe it is it never gets um, easy or, or sorry, it's never comfortable, but it does get easier. But it's always yes. uncomfortable. It's always just like, gosh, dang it. I wish I could just yeah. take a hot shower right now. But it's just like, it's uncomfortable. And that's, yeah. you know, you got to be uncomfortable. It's it's like uh, taking an ice bath after mm. a long run. And those first, like that first minute is like, oh my God, why? Yeah, why, why am I doing do? this? <laughs> but then after a few minutes, you're like, you've settled in and you're like, okay, I'm good. I can do this. Mm -hmm. uh, another two more minutes. All right. And then we'll take a hot shower. Yeah. But it is, it's funny. Those, the first moment is like, well, why? Wait, why am I here? <laughs> there is no reason. Yeah. There, no. This is not good. Um, no. Um, so another thing that, uh, I, from your primary aim that I would love to hear your thoughts on this, you mentioned, uh, working mom, something that, yes. uh, I've talked about a lot with, uh, my wife, Natalie, I'm curious, um, I'll just kind of set the table with my, our conversations and I'm curious if you agree or disagree, but, um, one of the, the benefits that I've gotten from being married is, having my mind opened to the things that I was blind to um, for mm -hmm. the other gender. Right. And Natalie is like so good at basically like taking these blinders off of that. And after the <laughs> fact, I'm just like, Oh shit, I was, I was like so stupid. Like, how did I not see that? But she's pointed yeah. out that expectations of men and women that have kids are so lopsided. Um, and one specific example that she gave was, um, men oftentimes can stay at work longer or they feel like it's just they just do because the wife is going to go pick up the kids. And it's never like an intentional that the most often, I should say, maybe there are people out there, but it's not like there is someone that's trying to be disrespectful to their mm -hmm. significant other or even the boss is not like intentionally doing this. It's just if you're not aware of it, there can be people that you work with or uh, you could potentially be doing this where it's kind of like, oh, the mom needs to go pick up her kids. That's why she needs to leave at four. But the the dad will stay and work till seven because there's someone else taking care of the other stuff. If that makes sense. That was yes. Natalie's articulation of an example of the um, those lopsided expectations that are just kind of there and yeah. So I'm curious if that's when you talk about being a working mom, is there something like that that is a, I don't even want to call it a struggle, that you ponder thinking about that versus thinking yeah. about uh, how do you balance that? What does ideal look like for you? You know, so as part of my primary aim, I wrote that kids will be in my future in the next five years and very much a likely situation. And so I think about what does my career look like with kids in the mix? I mean, it's funny how life right now seems pretty busy and I work, you know, a decent amount during the week. And, but I, but then once the work day is over, it just as myself and the dog and the boyfriend to worry about, like, there's not a, there's no other kids. To, there's like, it's just us that we're, we're worrying about. 
So I, I always think about, well, what is it like when you throw kids in the mix? Like your life changes completely. Um, and how do you balance it all? Or what does the new routine look like? And how do you show up to work in the same way? Um, or maybe you, maybe you show up a little bit differently. Um, but how do you, how do you, how do you do it all? And I, um, I have had the privilege to work with um, some great coworkers and uh, managers who are working moms. I have cousins who are working moms and are doing fantastic and are leaders in their organizations. And I look at them and I'm like in awe sometimes. Um, But what I do see is the level of respect and communication amongst partners and that how, how crucial that is um, for it to work. I mean, when I, I know myself that I, I, at least I say right now, I can't just sit at home. I I don't want to be a full-time stay at home mom. I need things in my life that will give me purpose outside of kids. I I need to kind of fulfill that, that that brain aspect. Um, So I want to work and, you know, is it part-time? Is it full-time? That I don't know, but how do you, um, how do you fulfill both? And there is an expectation because I've seen it of, you know, needing to leave at 530 to go pick up your kids and that being looked down upon. But why, why is that not like, why is that not okay? Why can't you leave at 530 to go pick up your kids? Uh, And when you, when you show up every day and do a fantastic job and are a leader and you're respected by your, like there, so there's, I think it's where you work plays a big part in it. Um, and the environment and the culture that, that, that work displays around supporting working, not even working moms, working parents. I mean, you in your primary aim, talk about how you want to be done by a certain time every day so that you can go to your kids games. You can pick your kids up from school and that's intentionality behind the balance of your life and what you want, but you have to be in an environment that supports you Mm. in that and that respects that time because you show up and you're dependable and they know you're responsive and if they need something and it's and it's urgent that you're going to be there Mm -hmm. so it's i feel it's like like work needs to look at the whole person outside of just the showing up from the nine to five and expecting that we're going to be a slave to work we we work has to i think work just has to look at the whole person and understand all everything that's kind of going on both at work and at home to to to, to really kind of get the, I don't know, I just, the whole, to me, the whole person really matters, mm-hmm. not just the showing up. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I think that it's the, uh, to pretend that you're, that you don't have to deal with their, with your employees' personal lives is just foolish because if you do invest in and care about their personal life, uh, yeah. it just makes, it, it gives you energy. It's like from just an employee or like an individual standpoint, I am more energetic and excited and capable when my li- my home life is not an, a burden, right? And right. that I like have to hide or pretend like I don't have commitments or whatever. That some you know, there are companies out there like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is stressful, you know. It's like uh, and that can't help you perform well. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not. No, and you. You shouldn't feel guilty to want to leave at five o'clock to go see yeah, your daughter's soccer game or three or o'clock four one day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. like that's you're. You have 
again, like you, you have to invest in your employees in that way and understand what's kind of going on in their world because they'll come back a happier person. If they were able to leave that previous day at three o'clock to go see their their child's game or whatever it may be, or pick them up from school, they're gonna come back a happier person the next day and probably tell you about it and how it was so fun to see yeah. so-and-so score a goal. I mean, like versus the, the guilt of missing that and then what and then how that completely begins to roll and just um it just it becomes worse over time the more guilt someone a parent holds for not being able to be around their kids or show up um just becomes exponential and makes for a miserable employee and then you're all you're going to lose that employee at the end of the day mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to hold on to them yeah um another there's a another book that this was now a while since i've read it but it's called lean in by cheryl Sand, sandberg yes. have you read that book I've read parts of it, um, did not finish it, but not intentionally, just one of those things. <laughs> yeah, because it's probably been, I don't even know, three years or so since I've read it. But yeah. it was another book that Natalie and I read together and we were talking about it. We have like our own little, it's not even a book club. We just, she reads physical books. I listen to all my audiobooks, and mm-hmm. then we'll uh, talk about ones that are interesting to both of us. But the, you know, the Lean In was another one where, um, I, th- I think it was that book or obviously it would be supported in the book would support this idea that if you can keep women engaged and move them up into leadership roles in companies, the companies do far, far better. But there's all these like, again, I would assume unintentional, but very foolish when you actually look at them, things and structures that are in place that are blocking advancement for women just simply because it's like maternity leave you know uh having a baby is hard work (laughs) like i've seen i've seen it happen three times and it's just like i'm so grateful that i don't have to do that but then how do you make sure that you create an organization that fully supports that and the the like beauty of motherhood but then also has the ability to keep that person fully engaged and committed with appropriate amount of time off and all that stuff Mm -hmm. so that they can come back and stay in those positions. You know, you can't, if it's purely just based on like amount of hours or whatever, whatever foolish thing you could pick, obviously it would make it much harder for women to become, you know, executive level or management level people because it just, it just didn't happen that way, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, maternity leave, I I know for a small business, for any business, it's not easy, um, but I I think it brings more, it it brings more return on investment, let's say, um, because you are giving, there's almost comes like a sense of like a loyalty back from um, the mom who has been on maternity leave and to know that her, her place in the company when she returns is still there where she has worked so hard to earn that position or she has that experience just because she's going to go have a child, which I mean, the man can't do <laughs> like it's, she's taking on that responsibility. Why should she be detrimented for that? It's like there to me, it's pretty plain and simple. Like she's going and she's taking on a new job for a short period of time in that maternity leave. But then also remember she's coming back doing that full-time job and taking care of the full-time job at home now. Mm. There, there. So when there's respect for that, 
I think it, it just brings back, it's kind of going back to understanding the whole person and uh, what's kind of going on in their world. And it, I think when an employee feels that respect and feels um, welcomed back, that they're just that return that they want to bring back to the work workplace, it's just tenfold. Mm. Agreed. Well, um, I have a couple wrap up questions. So um, mm -hmm. this has all been super good. Thank you for your honesty and sharing all this and everything. What sure. um, book recommendations? I, one, I have a couple of different ways I like asking this question and you can take whichever one you like. Either, is there a book that you've recommended to people more often than others? Or is there just an all-time favorite book? Or is there just a book that you've read recently that you're high on and just like, excellent book, go read it? Either one of those options you can take. That's a tough one. I uh, I used to be a really, really big reader back in the day. And it's actually funny. I've really made a focus. Um, that was in my last um, IDP that I did. That I'm going to become a better reader. And I was rereading my last IDP to, you know, focus on the new one. And I was like, I've become a better reader. I've actually started like picking up books again. Um, I will say I've got two. So the Think Again by Adam Grant, which I referenced earlier, that's the most recent um, professional book that I read. Um, actually listened listen to it, um, you know, the audiobook, And it just really hit home with me. And I would absolutely recommend everyone to read this book because especially in today's climate of just life, it um, challenges us all to kind of just think from a different perspective and to rethink the thoughts that we have and why do we have these thoughts. Um, and then I think about the first book that really had an impact on me as a kid, and I reread it many times, um, was To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. That book just was like the first real piece of literature that struck home and felt, I was like, I'm reading like a real book. And uh, I read it three or four times over throughout middle school into high school, watched the movie. It just has always stayed with me. Uh, and I, it actually wants, it makes me want to read it again. I need to, I, I have read the book and I read the, or read the movie too. I watched the movie, yeah. um, but that was back in high school. I need to, uh, yeah. I need to revisit that. I, all I remember is the, uh, it's about a, uh, it's, there's an insane ins asylum in it, right? Is that the right there, book? Um, so there is a neighbor who um, he, he comes across as being insane, um, but he, he's and he's scary. But it's because people don't actually know him. The town hasn't given him a chance. Mm. Um, so it's not. It's not like a. It just. It's a scary old house with a man living in it who um, he has some mental issues and uh, people didn't really weren't aware of that back in the day mm. um and it's just kind of giving him um this chance to be accepted awesome um it's yeah, a great book what is your favorite movie oh, again this is really hard i have a really hard time picking favorites um there's a lot of great movies out there i would say Another one I remember growing up that really has oh it's always one of those good ones. Remember the Titans? Mm. Really love that one. Uh, can't can't ignore Pretty Woman. Also a great one. Um, and then one that you know is always on TV that whenever it's on makes me laugh. I have to say it's Bridesmaids. <laughs> Bridesmaids. 
Um, I mean, it's just a classic good is, one. Classic <laughs> one. <laughs> Who doesn't love bridesmaids? The, 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 com- the comedy is amazing. And actually, I will say, um, The King's Speech. Mm. I loved that movie so much. Um, it just had all the feels to it. So those four. Awesome. Yeah, I can't. I can't pick one. Yeah, the uh, those are all. They're all good ones. The I always look up the ratings of them. Uh, mm. And the uh, I have come up with this silly thing, but a seven point three on IMDb is like the threshold that it doesn't. If there's okay. a movie below it, it doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Because that those are the fun ones to find. The ones that are below yeah. a seven point three that are actually really good. But if it's above a seven point three, it's just like. Guaranteed, it's worth it. two hours. It's you don't. I mean, you don't have to, but if you were to watch two hours, you know, dedicate two hours of your limited time on Earth to watch that movie, you'd be like, yeah, this is worth my time, you know. <laughs> so yeah, the, uh, you might not watch it again and again, but the uh, it doesn't hold true for comedies, which is um, bridesmaids. And this is just my, in my own like, this is my own re- Chris research thing. But comedies yeah. are like. You think it's the funniest movie ever. I think it's the most offensive movie ever. So it's like, it's hard to find. There are comedies that are above a 7.3. And again, if it is, watch it. But it's way more common to find good comedies. And you just have to make the recommendation to the person that you know. It's like, oh, if you think this yeah. is funny, you'll like this movie. You'll like this. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, I uh, The Bridesmaids is a 6.8, which oh. I would say is actually really good for a comedy. Uh, okay. Because the... Again, it's just there's some movies that I think are hilarious and they're like a five out of ten. <laughs> and I wouldn't recommend them to everybody. But depending yeah, on the yeah. person, I would say, you know, you should check that one out. Yeah. When we all have our quirks. We all like different things. Um, yeah. Gosh. Bridesmaids. Um, I, anyone needs to watch. I mean, I think everyone will laugh at least one or co- yeah. one or two points. It's, in a, that it's movie. a classic. It's a classic it's, comedy movie. I 100 percent support the recommendation. Thank um, you. And lastly, how can people get in touch with you if they wanted to reach out, ask you a question, or find out more about Nolan? What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can always email me. I'm molly at nolancg.com. Uh, you can always uh, send us a DM on Instagram. We ha- Our Nolan Consulting Group is on there, and I, have, I run the account. Um, but yeah, that's the best way. Email is, uh, or you can visit our website, nolancg.com, but email is always best. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Molly. I appreciate your time. And I hope that all the listeners got something out of it like I did. So I appreciate it. I hope so. (laughs) My life story. Um, (laughs) but I, you know, I, I hope that there was some little tidbits that struck home. Definitely. So thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for your attention and listening to this episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Your feedback and comments mean the world to me. If you like what you heard, please take a second and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. If you've got suggestions for future episodes or just want to say hi, shoot me an email at chris at chriskiefer.com. Don't forget, I make it a point to include all the links to the books, movies, and resources mentioned on this episode in the show notes. You can see those directly below in the description or on my website, chriskiefer.com. Thanks so much, guys.